0: Um, I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 6 verses 1 through 11. Це буде знаходиться в Луки, Євангеліє від Луки, 6 розділ, перші до 11 І Сталося, як він переходив в Ланаму, у суботу його учні зривали колосся та їли, розтерши руками. А деякі з фарисеїв сказали: "Нащо робите те, що не годиться робити в суботу?" І промовив Ісус їм у відповідь: Хіба ви не читали того, що зробив Давид, коли сам зголоднів, та також ті, хто, хто були з ним, як він увійшов до Божого дому і взяли хліб, показні, які їсти не можна було, тільки самим священикам, спожував і дав тим, хто були з їм, і сказав він до них: Син людський, Господь і в суботі. І сталося, як в іншу суботу, зайшов він до синагогу і навчав. Знайшовся там чоловік, що правиця йому була всохла. А книжники та фарисеї вважали, що в суботу того не вздоровить, щоб знайти проти нього оскарження. А він знав думки їхні і сказав чоловіку, що мав суху руку, «Підведись і стань посередині». Той підвівся і став. Ісус же промовив до них, «Запитаю я вас». Що годиться в суботу робити добро чи робити лихе, душу спасти чи згубити? І, позирнувши на всіх них, сказав чоловікові Прощагни свою руку, Той зробив, і рука його встала здорова. А вони переповнились лютістю і один з одним змовлялися, що зробити з Ісусом? On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave to those who were with him? And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man uh, was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they may find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he arose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to destroy it. And after looking around him at them, all he said to uh, at looking at them all, he said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Amen. Thank you, Mir. Y'all may be seated. Well, church, if you have a Bible, you grab it, open up to Luke 6. We just heard it beautifully read in two languages. Uh, That's the passage we are going to be walking through. If you're new with us, we're journeying through Luke's gospel. We find ourselves in chapter 6, and it's one of these familiar encounters between Jesus and the Pharisees. Uh, uh, The last few weeks, I've been talking about how we've been seeing these conflicts that Jesus is having with the religious leaders, uh, with the Pharisees, with the scribes, and with the teachers of the law, and uh, over and over in the gospels we're going to see the Pharisees criticize Jesus and the disciples on their practice and their observance of the Sabbath day. And this is one of the stories here that we have. Now... Uh, As you know, the Sabbath commandment was this distinctive mark, and it was a sign of Israel. We preached through Exodus last year, if you've been with us for a while, and we remember in Exodus, God told the children of Israel that the Sabbath was one thing, was this one thing that was going to set them apart from the nations. It had been given to them in the Ten Commandments as a blessing, as a gift, as a blessing from the Lord, not a burden but a blessing. And you remember uh, in Exodus in the story, or if you're you're familiar with it, the children of Israel at the time were a nation of slaves and servants under Pharaoh. They'd lived in forced servitude for over 400 years in Egypt. A hard life. Forced to work, to do uh, the will and the decree of the Pharaoh. And through God's redemption, he brings them out of it. And so for 400 years, however, their time and their space and the rest was not their own. It was someone else's determining what they did and how they did it with every single minute of the day. That was their lives. And at Mount Sinai, as God is rescuing and redeeming his people from the hand of Pharaoh, God said to them, his people, his chosen people, I'm giving you, Seven and a half weeks of mandatory rest. Seven and a half weeks. One day out of the week for rest. He said, you will not work for this one day, you will rest on this one day, you will not force anyone else to do work on this one day, and you will rest. And this, had a, this was a people who were in forced servitude every day of the year. Their time was not their own. They were commanded not to do work and not to force others to work. They had been a nation of slaves, and God, in His wonderful blessing and His wonderful heart toward His people said, I'm giving you a day of rest seven and a half weeks in the calendar year to rest, Sabbath and rest and worship. And that day was full of these things. That day that they gave them was to be, yes, a day of rest. It was to be a day of worship. It would be a day that they would worship the one true God, and it set them apart. It marked them. It was a distinctive mark on all of the other nations around them when they would look in at God's people. When their neighbors saw them pausing from their work, when they saw them not putting their hands to the plow, they would notice that God's people were set apart and different, as those who worshipped the Lord God, the God of Israel, the one that had given them the Sabbath day. In fact, the language of the prophets in Isaiah uses about the Sabbath um, is that, um, that God had sanctified them by the, giving them the Sabbath. He showed them that they were different. He was setting them apart. He was teaching them. He was sanctifying them from the other nations by keeping and observing this Sabbath day, this day of rest, one day a week. Well, if you know the story in the Scriptures of God's people, uh, you know that they often did not do a very good job of keeping the Sabbath, one of of these important distinctive markers of God's people. That they would rest from their work. Um, they didn't do a very good job of worshiping the Lord God on the Sabbath and even in other days. And we read even through Exodus, oh, oh, even just a few chapters after God gave them this wonderful commandment they're worshiping idols and other gods. And Israel and God's people all throughout their history were not keeping the Sabbath as you read through the scriptures. And Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and other prophets came and they would call the people of God back to what God wanted for them. They would call the people of God uh, back to the observance of the, the rest that God wanted for them. And so the Scriptures are filled with stories of God's people and their failure to keep the Sabbath that the Lord had given to them as a blessing that they would rest and worship the one true God. And so Jeremiah tells us that God sent the children of Israel into exile in the year 586. If you can go back and read it. I don't have time to do it today. And he sent them into exile for 70 years because of their failure to keep the Sabbath wow that's pretty intense for 70 years back into exile because of their failure to to keep the sabbath and so when the children of israel came back out of captivity they were like, if you've ever grown, if you have stories when you grew up and uh, you were uh, with your mom, she was cooking and you stuck your hand on the hot eye of the stove and you burned your hand, you remember in that moment to never do that again, right? Or maybe your kids have done that, or you uh, got too close to the boiling pot of water and it spit up at you. you. You know now to get away from those things. And so the Israelites were a lot like that, so they, they, they were out of captivity and they determined we will we never want to do that again we do not want God's judgment upon us sending us into exile again because we did not keep his word so they built all of these rules and all of these extra laws around all of these different commandments of God so that they would never break them because they didn't want to break the law of God again, so they added to all of, and they added all of these stipulations and all of these different things, so that they would never break these commandments again. Um, and so the rabbis and the scribes and the Pharisees uh, wrote all of these things down, uh, all of their oral tradition, all of these things. They were they wrote them down and they built walls around to protect God's people so they wouldn't fall into failure again and and, and not live up to these these commandments that the Lord had given them. They didn't want to break the commandments. And so by the time Jesus is on the scene, when he's here in this story, there was an entire book of rabbinic teachings on the things they were not to do on the Sabbath day. And the Pharisees in particular, this certain group of teachers, were very, very nitpicky and almost police-like in making sure the observance of all of these things took place just right. And so they wrote down things like you cannot reap or thresh or winnow or prepare grain in a larger amount than you would find in a tiny fig on the Sabbath day. And if you did, you were at jeopardy of breaking these rules. And this sets the stage, this type of observance and this type of rules and this type of hedge around the law sets the stage for the story we just heard read in Luke 6 as Jesus walks in and the Pharisees confront them on them breaking what they would consider the law of God. Now, I say all that and we're like, "Whoa, geez, that is heavy handed. Let me just say, we live in a very different day. We live in a very different time than when Jesus did. Uh, We live in a very different mindset than the disciples did. We do not live in a time where people are scrupulous like the Pharisees were and nitpicky about the observance of God's law, especially the Sabbath. In fact, most of us, many of us in our culture, uh, we never even think about it. It doesn't even cross our mind. Not only are we not nitpicky, most of us just don't care. It's just not something that we talk about, that we think about, that we think really even matters. And so you may be thinking, like, how, like, what's going, like, this seems so not like the world that we're in and the things that we think about, but nevertheless, I think there is so much that we can learn about the Sabbath and about what the Lord wants from us as God's people today in this passage. And so I want us to be on the lookout for a few things, for three things. Number one, the first thing, to be on the lookout for this passage is Jesus' message to the Pharisees is not that they have a slight overcorrection about their interpretation of the Sabbath. His message to them is that they had entirely missed the point. They missed the point altogether about the Sabbath day. So let's be on the lookout for that. The second thing that I want to look at in our time together is I want to look at the example that Jesus gives to us on what he does on the Sabbath. I think there's a lot we can learn about how Jesus keeps the Sabbath by reading what he does in these two examples that we just heard read. I think it gives us a wonderful guide for how we're to observe the Lord's day. And third, I want to ask the question that is asked in this passage and answer it with clarity is who is the Lord of the Sabbath? Because that church is the fundamental question of it all and the crux of this entire passage. Because if you understand that and you understand the answer to that question, almost everything else works itself out because you understand and you know and you worship the Lord of the Sabbath. So this passage, Luke, he's recounting this hostile encounter. Uh, He's pointing something significant about our hearts and about the Lord's day. 150 years ago, J.C. Ryle an Anglican, he said this about the Sabbath day. He says, our Sundays and how we use them is one of the most sure signs of our spiritual condition. Interesting. So how do you use your Sunday? How do you think about the Lord's day today? Um What's at the heart of the Lord's day for you? Who is the Lord of the Lord's day to you? Well, Luke here is telling us something that not only reveals something about the heart of the Pharisees and where they are misaligned, but I believe as Luke is writing this, he wants us to reckon in our own hearts and asks ourselves sitting here today as we encounter the word of God, how do we engage the Lord's day? What do we do with the Lord's day? day. So uh, let's look, uh, first of all, at Jesus, what Jesus says about the fundamental problem uh, with the Pharisees as approach to the Lord's day. So we're given two stories here. One where Jesus's disciples are hungry. That's the first story that sets up (coughs) at the very beginning of Luke 6. And so they're ministering on the Lord's day, Jesus' disciples. They're walking through this grain field, as is read at the beginning of Luke 6, as we heard read, and they walk through it. They pick one of the grains, the heads of the grain, and they eat it, or they rub it together, and then they eat the grain. (coughs) Now, uh, first of all, just a quick note, this wasn't stealing. They weren't, like, walking around stealing from these farmers. This was specifically allowed in the law of God. That should there be excess in the grain fields, if you were poor and you were hungry and you were walking through the fields, you could take uh, from the farmer's field and you could eat for sustenance. Uh, It was part of God's law that they would care for God's people uh, as you were walking through this. So the the Pharisees don't, interestingly, accuse them of stealing. What the Pharisees accused the disciples of Jesus of doing is breaking the Sabbath. He said, you're picking grain and you're rubbing it together, which equaled in their book of the law, like that all the things they built around the law of God. It's like you breaking off that piece of grain, rubbing it together in your hand, dusting off the excess and eating the grain, equaled winnowing, threshing, and storing it, even though they were storing it in their belly. So he said, you're breaking the law. You're breaking the Sabbath law. Now, you need to know there is no such law in the law of God, in Moses' law. It is their interpretation of how Moses' law is to be applied in this particular situation according to the teachings of the rabbis. And all of these things, maybe you're familiar with uh, uh, Jewish tradition, their Jewish books, is, is written down and recorded in something called the Mishnah. And the Pharisees, just on this one particular matter of keeping of the Sabbath, had 39 categories that could not be done in regards to the Sabbath. 39 categories, and each category had hundreds of subcategories that could not be broken in terms of keeping the Sabbath. Hundreds of rules written down so that God's people would not break the Sabbath. And it's all written down, and they, and they scrupulously made sure that the people were not falling into anything that they thought would constitute any kind of work. And so what we have immediately right here that is, uh, is the conflict, is the Pharisees' interpretation of God's word is set over and against Jesus' interpretation of God's word. And you have the Pharisees accusing the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ of being Sabbath breakers. And then you have another story that we're given, the story where Jesus heals this man whose hand is withered. And the Pharisees have a law about that as well. The Pharisees said it was okay to heal someone in the Mishnah, uh, to heal someone who is in danger of dying on the Sabbath, but you could not uh, heal them if they weren't in danger of death. That would be work. Um, And again, there's no passage like this anywhere in the Old Testament, in Moses' law. It's based on their interpretations and the traditions of the Pharisees and the scribes, not on the Word of God. And what I want you to notice as we journey through the gospel Jesus is entering into this cultural context of how their uh, walk with the Lord and their understanding of the Lord was informed by all of these different writings and all of these different rules. And what does Jesus constantly do? He takes them back to the Word of God. He teaches them with the Word of God, not, the oral, not all these other traditions, but the Word of God, and brings it back to the heart of the matter. So he's always bringing it back to the Word. Um, so you have these cases where Jesus and his disciples are brought under the charges of the Pharisees as being breakers of the Sabbath, um, and Jesus presses in and tells them and responds to them that it's not just a slight misinterpretation, but they've missed it entirely. they would fundamentally missed the whole point of the Lord's day. they would missed the whole point of God giving the Sabbath to God's people. Remember all the way back in Genesis, at the very beginning, the origin story of God creating the heavens and the earth and man and all that is in it, and God rested on the seventh day. He rested on the seventh day not because he needed rest and he was tired. He is God. He is infinite. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. He didn't need to take a break. He rested by modeling that and giving that so that the Sabbath would be a blessing for God's people. In Mark 2, Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus is saying, the reason God invented the Sabbath day was for a blessing to you and me. God is infinite. He doesn't need rest. We are finite. We do need rest. We can't do it all. Therefore, he provided for and even mandated rest so that we could neither deprive ourselves or others of the rest that we need. It's a blessing from God. But the Pharisees had turned the blessing into a burden they stacked rule after rule after rule after rule on top of it and they missed the fundamental point of what the sabbath was all about now remember uh, a lot of times when we read these or we hear these we kind of it's hard for us to get into the context of what's going on in the story this is an agrarian society that these words are being written to these are an agrarian people that jesus is teaching to meaning they're farmers most of them farm for a living to make uh, their living to have enough food to eat. And so pausing from your work one day of seven was doing a lot of things and making the, the why of why you would do that loud and clear. First, it would declare who your allegiance is to. In an agrarian society, when your working directly resulted in your eating, stopping working, meaning... I might not have enough food. So whoever you were stopping working for must be very important. Must be very important. And it sends a message to everyone around them, to their family, to their friends, and to the other nations, that we serve a God and his word holds and it matters. Secondly, um, it tells of who you trust in in this farming society where your working is directly correlated with your eating to stop working means i trust the lord to provide for me i can pause i can rest he will provide for me he has what, he has enough for me I can cease from the work of my hands and I can trust in the one true God to provide all of my needs and all of my sustenance and all of the things. I don't have to keep laboring and keep going and be in fear because he is a good God and he will provide for me and I trust him. And third, the Sabbath does is it allows you to loud and clear declare that God is more important than any blessing that we enjoy on earth even that which we produce with our hands. And for these people, even food itself. He's more important than anything or anyone else. So it's a way way of declaring our allegiance to God. It's a way of trusting God, and it's a way of showing our utter dependence upon God and the recognition that He is greater and He is better than anything and anyone else. And I can pause, and I just want all and more of Him he is good. And the Pharisees had missed that fundamental point. And they turned that blessing that God had given his people into a burden. Jesus will later have a lot to say about uh, what his burden is like, it's, his yoke is like, it's easy and it's light. And the Pharisees heaped all of these things on God's people and they turned the blessing of God into a burden. And so, Jesus' first encounter, uh, as the disciples go through the grain fields, he responds by taking them to the Old Testament. Jesus responds to these allegations of, you are Sabbath breakers by going to the Word of God. They were relying on uh, their tradition and their, their interpretation, and Jesus takes them back to the Word of God, and he'll do so over and over again. He says, do you remember First Samuel 21, essentially? Do you remember when David was on the run? See, they would remember these stories. They knew all about David. He so said, Do you remember David? This was a, during a bad time in Israel's history. David was a fugitive. He was on the run against the forces of Saul and against the forces of the invading Philistines. And David and his band of soldiers on the run, their lives were being hunted down, they were starving and they did not know where they were going to eat. They were literally starving as his soldiers were being driven out. He was being pushed to the fringes, and he goes to Amimelech, and he says, it's recorded here in verse 3, do you have any food that you can give me, essentially, to the priest? And the priest responds, you know I don't have food here. The only food I have is the showbread. We read about that in Exodus a long time ago. It's the bread of the presence that, was, that sat before the Lord in and, and his commandments as he instructed the building of the tabernacle in the temple. And only priests were allowed to take and handle uh, the bread of the presence or the showbread. Lay people like you, David, you can't eat the showbread. And David says to the priests, but me and my men are starving. We're starving. And what did the priest do? He gave them the bread. He gave him the bread of the presence to sustain David and his men. So what do we take from this? What do we learn from this? It's that the ceremonial law said that the showbread, the bread of the presence, was only for the priest, was trumped by the moral necessity of obeying the second great commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love God without loving your neighbor as well. And so when the ceremonial law comes into contest with the obedience of God and His moral law to love your neighbor, the ceremonial law is trumped. Jesus is is showing them this, a real-life example of how this works and what this looks like with His people, for His people, by using the Word of God. And here are the disciples in this story. What are they doing? They're traveling from town to town. They're preaching the good news of the gospel. They're teaching people about the coming Messiah, that he has arrived, he's here, that he's Jesus, God in the flesh, and they're going from town to town ministering, proclaiming the good news of the gospel, the healing of the sick and the oppressed. Demons are being cast out. They're ministering to the poor and the afflicted, and they're going from town to town doing this, and they're hungry. And they grab a little bit of grain to sustain them for the ministry that God has before them. Um, and it wouldn't have been a very good meal at that. And the, the Pharisees don't give a wit about this ministry and what they're doing. They only care that they'd violated some traditional interpretation of how you're supposed to keep this Sabbath day. And Jesus corrects their thinking with the word of God. And then there's an even more shocking scene where Jesus is in the synagogue and he tells this other story and there's a man with a withered hand and Jesus goes to heal this man and the Pharisees know that he's going to heal this man and the Pharisees are concerned with what? The man in need? The man with the withered hand? Who'd lived his life with this? Who'd gone through this? No, they're not concerned at all with that man. They want to catch Jesus in a sin. They want to catch him mess up. They want to be able to point out his faults and failure, or their perceived failure of him. And the question that we're confronted with, now who's right in the circumstance that Jesus brings about in here? That these people are more concerned with trying to find a violation of the law of Moses than they are seeing a man restored to health by the power of God. And it kind of begs the question you want to ask them. So it's not okay for Jesus to heal on the Sabbath, but it is okay for you to plot how you can kill Jesus on the Sabbath. Um, And that's exactly what Jesus says to them when you look at verse 9. I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? He's calling out, he knows their thoughts and intentions. Isn't it amazing that these, with all of their scrupulous law-keeping and Sabbath-keeping rules, it didn't cause them the slight tinge of conscience when they're trying to use God's commandments to kill a man. And worse that, the man they wanted to take out was the very Son of God. God in the flesh. Now you see, their problem wasn't a tiny problem overcorrection it wasn't a tiny overcorrection in their interpretation of scripture the problem was that they missed the whole point now friends you may think with well, those pharisees they've really i get it they were wrong but i don't think you have to be a legalist to miss the whole point of the sabbath you could even be in your freedom and miss the whole point of the lord's day so don't think the problem is just the pharisees here It's a problem for all of us. We can miss the point if our hearts aren't right because you can't worship the Lord unless your heart is set on the Lord and the right thing and who the Lord is. And the problem began with the Pharisees not just with a misinterpretation, but with their hearts being in the wrong place. The Sabbath was turned from a blessing to a burden and it became a tool not for glorifying God, but a tool for them whereby they wanted to entrap and destroy others and hold people to rules that they invented. They'd missed the whole point of the Sabbath and Jesus makes that clear by showing them through the word of God. Now, next, I want to show us quickly Jesus' example in keeping the Sabbath because I think we can learn a lot from this. Uh, Jesus does three things in this passage that I believe are great examples for us in keeping the Lord's day. It's something we should think about. Well, how is, how is the Lord asking me to keep his day? The first thing you'll notice in verse 6 says this. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. This was Jesus' normative, normal pattern. On the Sabbath day, where is Jesus? Where does he find himself? Where do we find him? He is in corporate worship with God's people. In church, I would argue that that's where we ought to be every Lord's Day, is with God's people, hearing the Word of God, the teaching of Christ, that our hearts and minds may be transformed by it, and we would be with God's people in community. And I think when doing so, we're following in Jesus' great example, because this is where Jesus is on most every Sabbath day. Secondly, Jesus makes it clear that on the Sabbath day is a day where it's lawful to do things that need to be done, or as St. Augustine calls them, deeds of necessity. Um, So verse 1, on the Sabbath day, while they were going through the grain fields, he and his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them together in their hands. They needed to eat. It is lawful to, to eat if you're hungry especially if you are needing something to eat, doing the work of the Lord. If the Lord's work has taken you somewhere to go proclaim his good news, to go tell others about this one that can set captives free and heal you and forgive you of the sin that so easily entangles us, you can do the deeds of necessity. It's perfectly appropriate to do so. It's perfectly appropriate to do so. And we're gonna get to do that right after church here. Just deeds of necessity. We're gonna have a great big barbecue and the Lord is gonna be uh, pleased with our Sabbath day rest, eating some good food, right? It's also appropriate to do deeds of mercy on the Sabbath. We see it in verse eight. Jesus in the synagogue. There's a man with a withered hand and he calls the man up and he heals him as an act of mercy. If God has shown us mercy, church, And we worship this God who has been merciful and gracious to us. How then do we worship this God that has been merciful and gracious to us best? Well, we act like He does. And so it is very appropriate when someone is in need of mercy that we would give them the mercy they need in their time of need. Because this is exactly what God has done for you and I. That's how Jesus used the Lord's Day. He worshiped deeds of necessity, of course, deeds of mercy, yes, and He provides a great example of how we are to use our Lord's Day. And I'll just ask you, do you, do you ever think about how you use the Lord's Day? Or is it just something, it's just another day of the week? Um, do you think about how you might Do some of these things that the Lord Jesus models for us, a time of worship, a time of hearing from the Lord Jesus. Yes, deeds of necessity need to be done, but also deeds of mercy for him and his kingdom's sake. Um, I quoted Ryle earlier. He says again, in considering the Sabbath, he says, it's only a few steps down from no Sabbath to no God. In other words, he's making us grapple with our use of the Lord's day is like an index to our spiritual health. Is your Lord's day caught up in worship or is it caught up in other things? I think Jesus' example is instructive to us as God's people, as his children. Last thing I want to see quickly, um, and it's the most important thing, and it's who is the Lord of the Lord's Day? Because in verse 5, you see the rest of the story in the first incident. I told you about Jesus responding to the Pharisees by telling them about David and then the showbread. But I didn't tell you the second thing that Jesus said to the Pharisees. So first he says, do you remember the story of David? And then in verse 5 he says this, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now this is one of those places where I really wish that Luke had written down the reaction of the Pharisees. I really wish I could have just fly on the wall, just seen how they responded to this earth-shattering statement that he just uttered. Because for Jesus to say, I am Lord of the Sabbath, you understand, he's saying, I created the Sabbath. It's my day. The Sabbath is all about me. I am the boss of the Sabbath. I am the master of the Sabbath. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. What I say goes on the Sabbath, goes on the Sabbath. What I say doesn't go on the Sabbath, doesn't go on the Sabbath. And I wish I could have seen the reactions or Luke would have given us a window <laughs> into how they reacted. I know we do a little bit at the end and it is not good, but in that moment, Jesus says something earth-shattering to them. Um, if the Lord of the Lord's day is the Lord, then it is a glorious day, church. Have you thought about that? If the Lord is the Lord of the Lord's day. It is a glorious, good, wonderful, joy-filled day. But if the Lord of your Lord's day is just your day, or another day, or someone else's day, then it will be most likely not a glorious day. Maybe even a miserable day. Um. So the real key to the Sabbath and the Lord's Day is do you enjoy the Lord's Day because he is the Lord of the Sabbath and he is your Lord? Um, The only way to enjoy the Lord's Day is to enjoy the Lord of the Lord's Day. And I think what this is doing is this is bringing it to a heart issue. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength? And when the answer to that question is a resounding yes, then you will love His day. You will love His people. You will love His worship. You will love resting and ceasing and stopping the work of your hand because He is provider and He is trustworthy and He is good and He will never leave you and He will never forsake you because He is the Lord. Um, I think it's easy for us to look back at those pesky Pharisees and say, you hypocrites, you legalists. But church, friends, our hearts can be just as wrong about the Lord's day as theirs if we don't worship the Lord of the Lord's day and enjoy Him more than we enjoy the pursuits of our own agendas and our own pleasures that we so often do. And so this Lord's day, today let's love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength and therefore let us also today love your neighbor as yourself let's pray together church on today's lord's day lord we love you we thank you for your inerrant inspired word we thank you for jesus that he is lord of the sabbath and that today this day we can rejoice in You, Lord. And we can find joy overflowing and everlasting because our hearts are resting in the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who has given us all that we need in Him, who has forgiven us of our sin, who has cleansed us from our iniquity, who now calls us because of the finished work on the cross and his glorious resurrection, he can say, Come and rest and enjoy me, my children, on this day, the Lord's day. And so, God, today we want to pause. And maybe for anyone in here, would you maybe take an index of your own heart? And maybe just ask that the Lord of the Sabbath would give you a new heart to love his day and to be with God's people and to worship him and to treasure him and to do deeds of mercy and all the things that he longs for us to do that we see in the Lord Jesus Christ in your life moving forward, that it would be honoring to him, not as a burden, but as a delight, as a blessing that he's given to us. So Lord, correct our hearts today. We need you. We don't need to apply new rules or new facades to different things. We need our hearts to open up to you because you are the Lord of the Sabbath. And help us rest and find joy and delight in you and you alone, Lord. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Church, we stand as we worship Christ.